Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of HR Zone's All Hands On Tech podcast. I'm Becky Norman, the editor of HR Zone, and today we'll be listening to a discussion between our host, Dr. Max Bloomberg, and Tim Haynes, who is Head of People, Data and Analytics at GSK. Just to give you a taste of what's to come, Max and Tim will be talking about organisational change and development, and how the rise in data and people analytics is now disrupting these traditional OD methods. It really is a fascinating discussion for any people professionals or business leaders who are looking to broaden their knowledge in the areas of analytics and OD. Before I leave you with Max and Tim, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you've not done so already to be notified of next month's episode. Thanks everyone and we hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of HR Zone's All Hands on Tech podcast. I'm Max Bloomberg. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Tim Haynes, Head of People, Data and Analytics at GSK, which is one of the world's largest pharmaceutical vaccines and consumer healthcare companies. Tim and his team are responsible for all aspects of global people data reporting, insights generation and analytics for GSK's 100,000 strong workforce. Tim's background is actually not in data and analytics, but rather in organizational change and development, having spent 10 years in BP before joining GSK in 2006. Tim is a firm believer in the value that data and analytics can bring to organizational decision-making, particularly when it comes to helping improve the quality of decision-making in the context of organizational change. A very warm welcome to you, Tim. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Max. Pleasure to be speaking to you today. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. You've had such an interesting career. Um, what are some of the highlights? Yeah, no, it, it has been an interesting career. And I think if I'd uh, re-round the clock 23 years ago, I'm not sure I would have said I'd be end up leading a, a people analytics function, but here I am. Um, so so my, my journey started in BP uh, on a HR graduate development program. I got fascinated by the world of learning and development and then subsequently organizational development and really started to specialize in OD and change because uh, I just found it fascinating how we look at the whole world of change in organizations um, and was having a, a great career in BP, but after 10 years decided that uh, I wanted to make a change. And um, I found GSK. And for the last 13 years, my career has sort of continued down that path of uh, organizational development, organizational change. Um, and then I, I came up on my 10-year anniversary in GSK. And, and frankly, I was thinking, okay, well, what next for my career? Um, and at that time, we started to have some conversations inside GSK around the need to really invest in people analytics as the future for our HR function. Um, and I guess you could say, you know, right time, right place. I, I just felt it was the right moment for the organization and for me, actually, to step in and really help build that function out um, and really think about how we can use the value of people data in not just organizational change and development activity, but for the broader benefit of, of GSK as a company. So, so yeah, I, I sort of have meandered my way over the years and, um, and that's, that's how I am where I am today. That is a, uh, a twisty and turny trajectory as uh, Blackadder or Baldrick uh, would say. So tell us, what, uh, what are we going to be covering in today's discussion? What do you want us to focus on? 
Yeah, well, I, I thought, Max, it, it, you know, it might be of interest uh, to the listeners to sort of um, explore, you know, what do we really mean by organisational change and development? So I think fundamentally, you know, when we talk about changing organisations, what, what exactly do, do we mean by that? Um, and then very specifically, because I think in the context of technology and data and analytics that's uh, really pervading the whole world of, of HR as we know right now, I think specifically we could focus in on where where the data, where does analytics, how can that really help us as we look to improve our organizations, improve the health and effectiveness of the organizations that we work in? Um, and, you know, I can share some of my experiences. I won't pretend that I've got all the answers at this stage but i hope i've got some valuable insights that i i can share with everyone great so i mean let's take it from the top you you are in effect an od person and you're now moving towards analytics and data now i've always viewed analytics and data as being a part of od what made you made the shift from labeling yourself if you like as an od person to an analytics person if that's indeed what you've done yeah it, it's a great question max and i and i think you you view them quite closely together i in my experience actually they've been I, i've experienced them as being quite seen as separate disciplines and very different so um, I think OD at its worst could be viewed by some as a bit of a, a black art, a, a mystery. It can be very conceptual sometimes, very theoretical, um, and not always feeling like those theories are grounded in the realities of business and of organizations. On the other hand, then, if you talk about data and analytics, quite often I think the perception of that is, well, it's all about numbers. It's all about that hard data um, and the use of new technologies to essentially interrogate numbers. Um, but again, I, I don't necessarily see data just being about numbers. Of course, there's a, a huge component that's quantitative. But the actual opportunity I really see, and I, and I think you see that, is to not view these things as completely separate disciplines and completely separate practices, but look for that opportunity to sort of marry up the world of quantitative numbers with qualitative data and insights. So qualitative data to me is is everything that we experience every moment of our lives. So right now, you and I talk, talking together, there is data being generated in our conversation. You are probably feeling certain emotions and reactions to what I'm saying. All of that is is data. It's, it's informing your view of what you're going to say next, what decisions you might take next, where we go in, in this discussion together. So actually, if we can view sort of data more holistically and wholly to say it's it is quantitative data and it is qualitative data and how we might bring all of that together to help improve the effectiveness of organizations i i think there's still a huge untapped opportunity there to bring them together not not treat them as separate disciplines so i'm fascinated by that do do i understand you correctly then that you see data as one of the drivers of od because i know that you're a, a galebraith fan i mean what do you see as the primary drivers of od and how does data fit into that you know qualitative structured unstructured etc yeah so so in, in my mind and, you, and you're right i mean 
OD, you, you can use many different frameworks to, to look at organizational development or effectiveness. And Jay Galbraith's star model uh, that some people will be familiar with is, I think, as good as any. It, it, and why these frameworks are, are helpful is because they encourage us to think of an organization as a true system. And in order to really improve the effectiveness of any organizational system, you really must appreciate that if you intervene in one particular area, so let's say we look to change the structure of our organization because uh, we might want to drive, let's say, more innovation. So we say, okay, well, let's let's redesign our structure because that's going to help us achieve our goals to be more innovative and we'll have smaller teams and drive innovation that way. Well, if you, if you just change that structural dimension of an organization, we know that all of the systems and processes that need to support the organization, all of the reward mechanisms that we deploy, all of the people capabilities that, that we're going to need to make that structure work, work you, you can't you can change one thing at a time but at your peril because i think then you really get misalignment and actually find that what you're trying to achieve in terms of change really uh, is isn't going to happen because these other pieces will be fundamentally misaligned so so whilst it it, it may appear very simplistic to sort of boil an organization down to sort of five particular dimensions i think just holding that concept as we think about what we're trying to do when we want to change an organization, think about the interdependencies across all of these things is, is so important. And that's where data, frankly, becomes your best friend because how do you know what you need to do? How do you know that if you change a structure in a particular way and let's say you reduce your spans and layers in an organization, which you can measure with numbers and really understand your, your structure in that way, but what other data have you got either quantitatively or qualitatively around the processes and systems that are supporting that organization? How well are people working with some of those processes and those systems? How do you know that the capabilities in your organization are where you need them to be? And again, there are both quantitative and qualitative ways that you can measure that with data. So I think I've, I'm now in this place of viewing the organization very holistically as, as a system and trying always to identify where is their data, either quantitative or qualitative, that can really help inform me about how well this, this particular system is working at any moment in time. Does that, does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, what I find interesting, if I look at, you know, a McKinsey 7S or, or Galbraith star model or whatever is none of them actually explicitly have data as one of the levers in the model. Um, and it's like you say, it's almost that as though data underpins everything um, in those models. So if they don't feel the need to explicitly bring data in, um, why do we have people analytics functions then? Would it not make more sense for there to be a strategy function and a culture function and a structure function, etc.? Why does people analytics get pulled out to be the function? 
That's, that, that's a very good question. And, and I think you'll find in, in some organizations, then people analytics m- might be part of a strategy group. I certainly know other companies where uh, my kind of function is ab- absolutely at the heart of a, a business strategy group. Um, so, so I think, you know, different organizations do sort of place these functions in, in different areas. Now, in GSK, we've, we've chosen to have people analytics very, you know, much part of our HR model um and i think one of the major drivers for that right now and it it might change in the future but but for where we are today um the nature of the data we're talking about which is fundamentally about the the humans in the organization it's about people behavior how how are our hundred thousand strong workforce interacting every day and what's our data telling us about the, the nature of those interactions that that's inherently about people and social systems and this is where again i think the combination of expertise in let's say social sciences behavioral sciences organizational psychology etc really are important for a function like people analytics because just to be looking at that data with a mathematical lens if i can call it that but not with any expertise in understanding what might be influencing some of the patterns in the data that we're seeing um, could be really quite dangerous. You could jump to some conclusions based purely on quantitative data, but without that judgment and knowledge to say, well, hold on a minute, we know that there are other things out there that impact and influence the way our organization and our people are behaving so power in our organization right which is very hard to measure but through our organizational structures you you know that that's having an influence so um you you need that level of understanding and that expertise i think which is why having this function in a human resources group for me makes a lot of sense you know that's that's really interesting i i've noticed uh, you know speaking to people in your position you know heading up people analytics functions that there's an increasing demand for you to actually take your findings and to execute or implement the transformation now typically should a people analytics function be geared up to do the transformation or should it be handing over its findings to somebody else to actually do the transformation. Yeah, and I, I think that probably comes down to where, where do you have the relevant skills and capabilities. So um, in our people analytics function in GSK today, uh, you know, I've got a, a mix of capabilities. So I've got some brilliant data scientists, I've got statisticians, I've got mathematicians, I've got an economist. Um, you know, I've got a lot of skills at my disposal. I have some business consulting capabilities in the group as well, which is really important when you're out there trying to understand where the opportunities are for data to add value. Um, that consulting capability is is absolutely critical, but, but I don't have a great depth in that. And that's partly because we have other roles uh, in our organization. And I guess because of our, our size, then we have an OD group. So we have organizational development specialists in the business. We have very capable HR business partners whose role it is really to facilitate organizational transformation and change. So in a way, our customers at the moment are very much those
those HR business partners, those OD professionals to work with the business leaders to support the change. And we, and we don't drive that from within our function. But I, I think you raise a really important question there. And maybe in the future, that might change. That's interesting. So, so give, give us a little bit more detail. How have you set up the, the people analytics function, you know, with respect to OD at GSK? Yeah, so so what I've tried to do is um, organize in, in a couple of core areas, if you like, of capability. So, um, you know, my group do a, a wide range of activities. So on the one hand, we uh, do all of our global reporting from our core uh, HR systems, and that's both for the function, the HR function, but also for the business as well. Um, but what I've tried to do is make sure that the, the sort of more um, reporting-based activity is separated out from a couple of specialist groups. So I also have what, what we call organization and people analytics. So that's a, a smaller team of uh, real specialists who are working on the bigger analytical uh, challenges that we have, so the big business questions that we're trying to solve uh, using workforce data as well as business data. And those tend to be projects like looking at the people drivers of manufacturing outcomes or, or sales outcomes. So how do we really understand, you know, the people dimension of those business outcomes and therefore where are there opportunities to uh, actually improve the, the bottom and top line of the business? So I, I sort of protect that specialist capability. And the other area that I really protect is a, a core group who are really focusing on what we call our culture measures. So these tend to be uh, surveys and other methods of measuring GSK's culture through things like employee surveys and manager feedback. And, and that data actually is, is incredibly rich data, which when you're able to combine that with other forms of data that's available to us starts to build up this very rich picture of what's happening in our organization, both from a sort of cultural and mindset perspective, as well as uh, some of the, the harder measures around, yeah, headcount and spans and layers and strength of succession plan. So, sorry, a bit of a long answer, but I, I sort of have got these um, specialist groups of capabilities. And part of the challenge then is how do you blend that together and make sure we're working as a as a whole rather than in those those separate parts of the team. And the answer is. <laughs> work, in pro work in progress, Max, honestly. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, that it's, it's all working like clockwork right now, but um, we're all, I think, over time. And, and look, the team's only three, just over three years old in GSK. So we're still a very immature function in that sense, but with some great capabilities. So we're more, the more work we do, the more connections we make across the team and, and start to notice the interdependencies across that data. Uh, I, I can tell you, it's it's great to sit in team meetings where where you know the light bulbs go off and go, whoa, hold on a minute, we can connect what we're doing there on looking at employee engagement with you know this study over here where we're looking at attrition and are those two concepts linked? How can we see that in our data? Um, you know that that's actually where when I get a real kick out of my job when the team start to realise the power of joining this data up together. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can well imagine that if you have an engagement survey, um, you know, traditionally delivered by one of the large sort of people consultancies out there, um, that that data isn't often actionable, I guess, because how do you connect it to organizational performance data? Is what you're saying is you actively and proactively even try and link all of the people data together so that it delivers specific outcomes? Absolutely. That that's really, you know, the objective of, of the team is to be able to do that and, and answer specific business questions. So I think um people analytics can become a bit of a let's say a, a an area of interest. You know, we get lots of questions from people, oh, could you take a look at this? Because I'm really interested to know if. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's great to see that curiosity. But actually, if you come knocking on my team's door, then the first question we're going to throw back at you is why 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 do you want to know that what are you going to do if you know the answer to that what what decision are you going to be able to take that you can't take today and and frankly if we don't get a good response to that we won't do the work because we're not just doing this for fun or for interest with the whole point of having the group is to as i say sort of help help move the business forward so focus on those real challenges or opportunities that the business is facing um, and help provide fresh insight, maybe look at things in ways that we've never been able to look at them before using some of this rich data, but also for employees themselves. At the end of the day, they are trusting me and my team to use their data for the benefit of the company, which benefits employees, but also them as individuals. So how are we improving the way that we develop our people or give them better career opportunities or improve the diversity and inclusion of, of the organization? You know, these things are of real benefit to to employees themselves and therefore we need to continue to really pay attention to that in the work that we do i i love the idea that when somebody comes in you know you say why do you need that so you're a business problem driven function where possible um although as you acknowledge you are all things people data so you do reporting um are you pro um you know self-service for your customers where possible for those sort of non-problemy dashboardy type stuff absolutely and i think there's so much data now being generated from so many sources that actually i think that the real challenge is becoming how how do you sort of cut through the noise and provide as you say those self-service mechanisms to the decision makers who who need to be able to to use accurate reliable quality data for better decision making so yeah the use of dashboards for example we have um we call it our global workforce dashboard which uh, all senior hr decision makers across the company have access to and that that you know puts into their hands quality data on headcount on uh, spans and layers, on gender diversity, on uh, talent succession pipeline strength, you know, all of that core data that's actually really important for local decision making. So we, we don't use that in, you know, my team centrally to make decisions. We, we, we're we there to make sure we're putting uh, a really great tool in the hands of our business partners so that they can use that data and use their expertise in that local context to make the best possible decision. So can, as a matter of you know, quick question, can dashboards solve business problems? Because you make this distinction between business problems um, and between reporting. Um, 
I clearly understand what it takes to solve a business problem. I think there's a process and most of us understand that. Do people get confused about the role of dashboards and feel that they are doing some deep problem solving when in fact the dashboard is providing something else? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I think in, so how I view the, these sort of tools and technologies is a, a dashboard typically is your, um, if you like, your early warning system. So it's, it's presenting data to you, typically trended data over time, where actually you might be able to spot that. Let's just take a, a, an example. So in, in the dashboard, if you've got your turnover data in there and it's being presented to you over time, then you might stop start to uh, spot in a particular part of the organization that your attrition is is increasing in a way that you you wouldn't want it to and and in fact you might even include some external benchmark data to know that oh hold on a minute we're running at let's say 15 percent attrition whereas the external benchmark here is suggesting in these markets we should be more like 10 percent so so you, you as a hr professional might start to notice that or even your business leader hopefully is starting to notice that kind of data with you to say that that doesn't look like something that is, is going to be helpful for our organization and, and the business goals we have now of course what that data point on its own doesn't tell you is why are people leaving is is there a particular driver that's causing that outcome that you're seeing in a dashboard and i think that's then where you need to be looking at other tools and technologies and other data sets to start to really answer the question that i think is behind the question which is are we losing our best performers at a rate which is much higher than is going to be helpful for our particular business right now and what might be some of the drivers that are causing those high performers to leave our organization and they might need a combination of employee survey data perhaps some exit interview data you might run qualitative focus groups you might do um, you know a number of other activities to help you understand what is causing those outcomes and so so yeah I think I think it's a good question Max and maybe sometimes these these very clever and very beautiful dashboards that get built you think oh they, well they're going to provide all the answers right they they're not they're going to provide part of the answer they're like hypothesis generators really yes that's a good way of describing it and um, you know any final tips for our listeners um you've given so much already how would you close yeah i, I think i'd close by saying you know i acknowledge that gsk we're a large organization and in some ways we, we can invest in in a you know, a reasonably sized people analytics team to help us achieve our business outcomes. And, but not all organizations are, are able to make those kinds of investments. So I, I think, again, if you maybe go back to some of the basic principles here around um, maybe sort of distinguishing between doing analytics and being analytical. And I think as HR professionals, all of us can bring an analytical mindset to the way that we look for evidence and we look for data uh, and we try and do that in a much more systemic way so that we're not just uh, making decisions or recommending courses of action on either limited insight and data or, or just on our own intuition and expertise. I think if we can all sort of use both qualitative judgment and insight alongside 
hard numbers, the quantitative data, and look for that where it exists, because it will exist. We've all got systems. We've all got processes in our organizations. You can look for that data um, and, and actually bring that together with an analytical mindset, then truly that's doing people analytics just as much as it is sitting in front of a very complicated statistical model and trying to work out the predictive qualities of it, right? That, that for me, is people analytics in itself. I think that is the cherry on the top. And with that, I want to say Tim Haynes, Head of People, Data and Analytics at GSK, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing so many wonderful insights. You're welcome, Max. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Max and Tim talking about how OD and People Analytics can join forces to bring positive change for organisations. It was really great to hear about some of the work Tim is doing at GSK and we do wish him well in future ventures. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation today and if you do want to hear more, please do hit the subscribe button. Thanks everyone and we're going to be back next month for our final episode of 2019 where we'll be talking to Josh Burson about what lies ahead for HR in 2020. So we do hope to see you for that, but for now, I'll say farewell.